The gospel this morning is taken from John chapter 17, verses 20 to 26. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them, and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity, to let the world know that you sent me, and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, and to see my glory, the glory you have given me, because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. The word of the Lord. May the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in thy sight, our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Jesus Christ has just shared the Last Supper with his disciples in the upper room. Dinner is over. Jesus has shared the wine and the bread. Judas has left. And Jesus is preparing his disciples for his upcoming death, his crucifixion and burial. And in this last evening with his disciples, Jesus prays what I believe is the most beautiful prayer devised, prayed, written, recorded anywhere. I know that we recite the Lord's Prayer every week and often at home because most of us know it off by heart. In fact, we know the Lord's Prayer so well that when we say it, we don't even really pay attention to it, do we? God willing, one day we'll go through a study of the Lord's Prayer because I've preached about 11 sermons on the Lord's Prayer in a series. There's so much depth in that. But that is a prayer that we pray to our Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the prayer that Jesus prays for his disciples. Those that he loves deeply 
And at the end of that prayer, he says that God, the Father, loves us as deeply as Jesus does. That's an amazing thought. It's an amazing thought. I'll tell you what. We're going to go back and look at the prayer. You tell me that if your father or your older brother were the prime minister of the country, or if your American was president of the United States, would you feel that you're an important person? That somebody in high places cares for you? I think I'd feel pretty important. I have so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so, but the prime minister is my dad. You wouldn't even have to say it, would you? Now get this. The father, the creator of all things, who is the beginning and end of everything, all-powerful, through whom... Everything in this world and through the universe exists because of him. He loves you as deeply as Jesus loves. Let me bring you to that. But before we do, I want to read the first verse, the first phrase of the prayer that we just read. My prayer, this is the high priestly prayer, that's what it's called. The high priestly prayer of Jesus. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. For whom? Not for the disciples alone. But for those who will believe in through their message. Those who will believe in me through the message of the disciples. But what is that prayer? Now Jesus is praying that prayer for us. So it's important for us to know what that prayer is. And I don't want to skip that. So the night is almost over. They're about to leave the upper room. To go into the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is what Jesus prays. Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to those you have given him. Take note. Jesus is talking about glory and he's talking about authority. Tell me, what comes to mind if somebody was to say to you that you are going to be given glory and authority, what would you think? You would imagine some sort of power and authority like that fellow uh, who is the leader of uh, Kim, Kim Jong-un of uh, North uh, Korea, you'd feel important like that guy. He stands there and everybody has to behave in a certain way. And if they don't, he kills you. That's authority. That's glory. So when he says, you are about to give me glory, this is time for me to be glorified and to have authority. How does Jesus... And glorified. The worst 
thing that could happen to a human being was to be crucified on a cross. The worst people on earth were those who were cursed and were put on the cross. That is glory for Jesus Christ. Where we see glory up here, Jesus sees glory down here. How does he get authority? Do you think that Jesus being bound and beaten up and being spit on and being whipped, does that put him in a place of authority? He knows where he is going. But that is his authority. Can we then stand up and say, Dear God, give me this and give me this glory and give me this authority. Make me in charge of this, this and the other thing. We need to be more like Jesus Christ with no expectations of earthly glory and authority. It was through that glory, that glory was not on this earth, it was glory where? In heaven. That gave him authority not only here but also where? In heaven, because it gave him authority, not over the earthly kingdom, but the spiritual kingdom, where he gave him authority over death. Now, this is eternal life. This is the most important verse in the Bible. I know Luther's favorite was Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. This is mine. Now, this is eternal life that they may know the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's it. That is the entire message of the Bible. That is all. This is life eternal, that you know the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That just says everything in it. And how do you know the only true God? By the searching of the scriptures. By nature. By reading the gospels where we see God in Jesus Christ. That's how you know God. But in order for us to get eternal life, we must know God. And that is, by the way, that is what we are doing in our Bible study. We now have our syllabus ready. Indra was nice enough to print the outline for it. We can use it starting today. Which shows us the love of God from start to finish. This shows us the love of God. This is life eternal. That you know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave to me. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world begins. So where is the glory of Jesus Christ? Before God, before angels, before the universe. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. Dear Father, I have taught you to my disciples that you gave me. They were yours. You gave them to me. And they have obeyed your word. And what is obeying God's word? Were they keeping all of the commandments? Obeying the word of God was what? To follow Jesus Christ. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. 
I gave them the words you gave me. And they accepted the words. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given to me. For they are yours. All I have is yours. And all you have, dear Father, is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Take note of this. What is the objective of the prayer of Jesus Christ? That my disciples may be one as we are one. What does that do to our self-serving? What does that do to my pride? What does that do to my selfishness? Is that being one? If I'm self-centered, if I'm more concerned about, no, I don't like this, I like this. No, this is not the way, this is, this is what I want. That is not being one. Being one is not my will, but God's will be done. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so the scripture would be fulfilled. He's here saying that everyone is still with me that you gave me except for Judas. I am coming to you. But I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. So this is the prayer of Jesus Christ. What is the prayer? In a couple of sentences. Dear God, make them one as I am one with you. Was Jesus different than God the Father? No. He was the spitting image. He was exactly like God the Father. Perfect Loving, gentle, forgiving, in every way, he projected the Father. He was the Father in human form. He was the image of the Father. Father was in him and he was in the Father. They were one. And he says, within that, dear Father, make sure that they are also in me and I am in them. That makes what? That unites us with who? Our Creator. This is the prayer. And he says, I have given them your word that they may, what's the job? What happens? Just as Jesus came where? Into the world to do what? What was his purpose of coming into the world? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him 
should not perish but have eternal life. His purpose of coming into the world was to give eternal life. If his purpose in this world was to give eternal life, and we are in him and he is in us, what becomes our purpose? It's the same as Jesus Christ. To bring eternal life to who? To the world. Is that so complicated? It isn't. Let's study on. This is the prayer of Jesus now. He says, my prayer is not just for them, not just for the 11 that are left. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. You get that? So Jesus is praying for those people who are going to be converted by the message of the disciples. Now, let me remind you a little bit. We have been studying the covenants of Abraham in our Bible study time. In that covenant of Abraham, God said to Abraham that I will give you lots of children like the stars of the heavens and the sand of the sea and I will give you a land where they can all prosper and be successful and through you and through David will come the seed of Jesse who will be the Savior through whom the world will be saved. How many will be saved? All. God told Abraham, through you, how many nations will be blessed? All nations will be blessed. Now watch how that happens. Let's read on. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, that they may also be one. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Get that? Did he say that the Jews may believe that you have sent me? Here, Jesus comes back to the fulfillment of the promise of Abraham. Because God said the world will be blessed through you. He is here saying that the world may be blessed through them. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Now I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 28. After the resurrection... Jesus spent a lot of time with the disciples preparing them for their mission. And the conclusion of the mission of Jesus on this earth comes when he hands over their responsibility to the disciples to continue the teaching of the good news of the gospel. And what does he say? He says, All power in heaven is given unto me Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Let's dissect that for a little bit. What is the job? Go ye therefore, and do what? Teach all nations. How many nations? Just the Jews? All nations. Do we remember the words all nations from Genesis and Abraham? When God said to Abraham, all nations, 
will be blessed through you. Jesus said, go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things. Teaching them how to live the way Jesus lives. Love and affection and forgiveness and gentleness. But get this. Very, very, very important passage. Very important statement. Comes before that commandment. Before that last commandment of Jesus Christ. You know, people love to quote... Jesus, and they say, oh, no, no, we have to live a really righteous and sinless life. We have to follow each of the commandments, which is a good thing. But we often forget the last commandment of Jesus Christ. You know what, you know what they quote? They quote, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. That's what Jesus said. If you love me, keep my commandments. Straightforward. But somehow we forget the last and most important commandment. And what is that? Go ye therefore teach all nations. We go through all the other Ten Commandments and maybe we add to our Ten Commandments and make sure, oh, we are all nice and righteous. And we live our nice and righteous life in our home and in our church and in our work. But dare we say a word to anybody about Jesus Christ or about eternal life? Come on now. Let's be serious. How often do we go and follow this commandment. Seriously. We don't, do we? Now listen to this. If you go on TV, watch television, you'll see preacher after preacher after preacher. I know many of us don't go to television to look at preachers. We go to television to watch other programs. And that's probably a better idea than to listen to some of the preachers. But most of the preachers teach this. Oh, Holy Spirit, come now and give us power to do this, 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 and this. Have you heard that? Pray, I'll pray. You send me your name and address and I'll pray for you and God is going to answer your prayer and you're going to get lots of money, you're going to get a great job. And so God has given the preacher power that he will pray for you that you can get a better job and a promotion and a nicer car or that you will get rid of some disease but don't forget, with sending your address, you've got to send a little bit of money. It's only fair. So we are taught that God has given power through the church or through the preacher that we may enrich ourselves. But I want you to pay attention. It says, all power in heaven is given to me. How much power from heaven is given? 10% of the power from heaven is given to you for this. Is that what it says? All power in heaven is given to me. Then he says, go ye therefore. That's exactly what it says. The power is given for one purpose and one purpose alone. That's for eternal life, to go and preach the gospel, to teach the gospel. That's what the power of God is for. And what are the miracles for? The miracles are for making sure that the power of God gets to the people. 
But in the Bible, we see in the book of Acts, there was people doing false miracles. Simon the sorcerer, also doing miracles that looked like they were from God. But were they from God? They were from another source, a spiritual power, but not God. It was Satan. We see the Egyptians, when Moses went, he put his rod down, put down his staff, and became a snake. He picked it up, and the magicians from Egypt came, and all of them put their stick down, and they all became snakes. So what's the big deal, they said. And then we know, if you remember the record, Moses once again put his stick down, and the stick that became the snake of Moses did what? Had a big belly full of snakes. There is power, there is miracles out there. But if those miracles are not used for the glory of God, if they're used for selfish purposes, they're not from God. I would say it clearly and openly and as a challenge. And our sermons go on the internet nowadays. And I hope that some Pentecostal pastor or other pastor who are teaching this stuff will call me and challenge me so we can study the Bible together and show that that is not God. That is not God. There is another force in this world. The power of God is given for one reason and for one reason alone, and that is the same reason for which Jesus came to this earth. And that is to redeem us. All of our focus has to be there. And if for the preaching and teaching of the gospel a miracle is needed, God will provide that miracle. For that reason, he will provide that miracle. He will give that power. Now take a look at verse 24. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. Where is that? He's going to be with God in heaven. And to see my glory. I want my believers to come to heaven and be with me and be with my Father. The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. So you see the difference in the world and Jesus and his disciples. Here, Jesus says, I know you. And the 11 that are with me, they know you because they know me. They are in me. So at this point, there are only 11 and Jesus. And the rest of the world, does the rest of the world know Jesus? No. I know you. And as they know you have sent me, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. Do you get the conclusion of the matter? What's all the fuss about? What's all the fuss about? That the entire world may become like Jesus Christ by Jesus living in us, and that the love that is God, and the love of God that is in Jesus, may become the love in me and every believer. That's the end game. That is the proof that God is living in our hearts. The commandments are written in our hearts. 
That's why the New Testament says, and Deuteronomy, by the way, Old Testament, Jesus quotes the Old Testament when he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with heart your mind, with all your soul, and your neighbor as yourself. That is the conclusion of the whole matter. Love. The rich young ruler says to Jesus, What must I do that I may gain eternal life? And what does Jesus say? Keep the commandments. This is that I do already. He says, All right, then sell everything and give it to the poor. That's love. What did he do? Did he sell everything and give it to the poor? No, he walked away. In Acts chapter 2 and chapter 3, we see the story of the new church. What happens when the new church is formed? Do we see the love of God in the new church? Yes. You know what the record says? The people sold everything they had and they gave it to everybody as they required. That is God living in our hearts. I need to examine my life and see if the love of God is in my life. It doesn't matter how much knowledge you have of the Bible. Do I live the way God wants me to live? I can tell you I don't. Maybe you do. But if we don't, that is a signal to you and I that we need to run to Jesus Christ. Not walk. We need to run to Jesus Christ. Because this is life eternal. That you know the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. May God grant that as we study God's word, here in church and in our Bible study, may we get to know God through the study of his word. That the prophecy of Isaiah may come true. That the laws of God would be written in our hearts. That not only words come out, but actions come out that project the love of God in our lives. It's my prayer for myself and for you. Amen. Let us all stand.